My name is Spencer Brose, and I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it's a blessing to be here with you today. Whether you're here with us online or here with us in the building, it is a blessing as we gather together in spirit and truth to worship our God as one. Um, our, our, um, our Lenten devotional, I hope you all are taking opportunities to um, enjoy that. And I will say there may be things you encounter, whether it's in her written word, and sometimes she links her um, podcast, and you might hear things that you're like, I don't know about that, and it's okay not to agree with everything that somebody you read and says. I rarely agree with everything that I read that somebody says, but it gives you an opportunity, opportunity to be in dialogue with that theology or that idea or whatever's going on there, and I, but I encourage you to do that. But if you haven't done that, if you haven't uh, used the devotionals, let me just read to you last week's uh, titles for each day. And these are blessings um, for each day uh, throughout the season of Lent, but also for every season of our lives. And these, we all need these. Any, and it doesn't need to be Lent, but one of them is a blessings for this garbage day. When you have a day that is trash right? Blessings for when you're afraid. Blessings when you can't love yourself. Blessings for when you feel grouchy. Who's feeling grouchy losing an hour of sleep? And I know, and, and you didn't go to bed an hour earlier. I, I'm right. I didn't. There was a basketball game on that I wish I hadn't stayed up for. But anyway, blessings for when you're not getting any better. Blessings for when you feel stuck. Wow, that last one really hit me hard. I felt stuck before. I feel stuck quite a lot. So I encourage you to um, check out devotional. And it doesn't have to be, you know, do Fridays on Friday. And you don't have to catch up. Just jump in wherever you are and enjoy these um, naming of things that are real life. Um, but at the same time, honoring the God who continues to bless us in the midst of real life. And that's a lot of what today's sermon is too. Um, honoring the blessings of God, even in the midst of life's sufferings. So we're going to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11. Normally we're reading from the New Revised Standard Version, which is the version that's in our pews, but I wanted a certain word. So I turned to the New International Version. So this is from the NIV. And this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to practice a little bit. I'm mean, not practice. I'm going to test out sound because I'm getting a lot of echo. Is it any better when I'm down here or does it feel weird to have me this close Randy? I don't know. But, and I'm not going to stay down here. I'm just testing out sound in the position, and I can see people. I kind of like it down here, but anyway, I won't stay down here. This makes some people nervous. <laughs> I'm not going to walk up on anybody. Anyway, I'm sorry. So anytime I read that scripture, do y'all have like movie skits like playing in the background of your head, and they're like right here, and, it, and it just, you just need one little thing to bring, whoop, and it's right there. This is one of those passages for me that I have this loop from all the Star Wars movies, and I don't care which tr- tr- uh, trilogy, I like them all, because it's Star Wars, it doesn't matter. They're all living there, and every once in a while they come right here. And when I read this scripture, I bring up, my brain brings up this interaction between young Anakin, who becomes Darth Vader. This is not a spoiler, because that movie's been out for a long time now, right? As he has an interview with the Jedi Council, the leaders of the Jedi, including Yoda and a couple of others. But I want y'all to join my mental you? work no, here. See through you. We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm, afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What does that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. See, you, you see the parallels in those? They, that lives in my brain, those connect. And it's not a continuous connection. And, and when George Lucas was writing this, I don't think he was necessarily referencing Paul. He may have had it playing around in the back of his brain too. But it's there. And I think that's a lot of how we see suffering. And suffering's a bad thing, right? We don't want to do it. And in the movies, it becomes really, really bad. All right? Darth Vader's really, really bad. I don't like merchandise with Darth Vader. I don't walk around with stuff with the devil on. So I don't want to, anyway, that's a whole nother soapbox. But anyway, pardon me, my mouth is dry and my coffee's way over there. I, and I, can't, I have to talk with my hands, so I got to have it free. Sorry, y'all. This is real and raw this morning. So as this playing uh, scene plays out, I also have to counter those words. Again, that's not wrong. It's just not from a theological perspective. Again, Paul's, Paul's writing about suffering goes like this. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul's message is different than Yoda's. Yoda has this fear to suffering journey. Paul gives us this suffering to hope journey. It's more than a journey, it's a promise. That in our faith, through our faith, that as we encounter suffering, as people who follow Jesus, at the end of that, like Pastor Muni was saying, like at the end of winter comes spring, the end of our suffering, sometimes in the middle of it, we start to see hope and experience it that way. You know, and we all experience sufferings in different ways and varying degrees of different uh, times and stages in our lives. And even, even when we do everything right, we're doing all the things we should be, we're doing none of the things we shouldn't be, and we still end up suffering. It's part of living as imperfect people in an imperfect world alongside other imperfect people. That's part of the human experience after the fall. So we live with this paradox, these two things that seem opposed to each other, but in our, in our faith, we see them working hand in hand. Suffering and hope. How can we have hope when we're in the midst of suffering? And Paul gives us some things to think about and consider. But as we approach that word suffering, at least as it's found in this text, I think it's important that we're all speaking the same language because one word can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And when you read a word in Greek, it can usually mean about eight or ten things in English, at least ancient Greek. I don't know if it's true of modern Greek. In, in ancient Greek, this word, I'm going to try to say it, flipsis. It's a T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. That's how we would pronounce it anyway. The Greek letters are very different than that. But in English... It could be translated as affliction, tribulation, oppression, and pressure. That's the word it comes from in its um, actual sense. It's this crushing pressure is, is where that word comes from. And then it gets used for other things. We use words that have a literal meaning, and then we change them for other things. Um, and that's what the Greek does there. But this pressure, the version, the NRSV uses um, afflictions is the word that they used. But when it comes to suffering, however we might define it and understand it, our immediate response is that we want it to go away, right? We, we don't look for suffering to come and stay a while. We don't make a, a nice place. Just sit right here. Have some tea. Let's hang out. You know, we don't do that. We want to be rid of it. We want it to go away. But God has a different solution when it comes to resolving the problem of suffering. It's not to do away with it. It's that he converts it. Converts it into wonderful, life-bringing, peace-filled, and sometimes world-changing hope. And there's this thing in the middle that makes it possible called grace. The catalyst for the conversion from suffering to hope is this thing called grace. It's interesting. In my brain, 
connects this process with what happens or what has been said to happen for coal to become a diamond. Coal is under the earth, and, and they say it's at the molten level. It's right above where everything's hot and liquid. And it's feeling all the pressure from all, everything on top of it, the heat from underneath of it, and between the heat and the pressure, the, the carbon molecules realign, and they become a crystal that is precious. And then when we have volcanoes, it erupts and they come up to the surface. Grace is the stuff in between the pressure and the heat that makes that conversion process possible when we convert suffering to hope. Coal is dark and it's dirty. It has its uses, but it's dark and dirty. Diamonds are precious and beautiful when we do things to them, of course. They don't come out of the ground that way. But grace is God's grace connects all the right pieces in the process of us becoming a people of hope, even in the midst of suffering. When I was in seminary, a group of my fellow students went to Africa. <clears throat> and part of their work there was uh, among a refugee camp. And there were these people who were refugees from war. And it, was, it wasn't the Sudan, I don't remember which country they were in, but it was a war much like the one, civil war in, in Sudan. And they were living in these camps, uh, tent camps, with uh, open sewers running down um, between them. And they were stacked up in, in tents, multiple families, and they had worship. And they, when they worshiped, and it wasn't, it wasn't put on. They, the, my fellow students said it was the most beautiful, uh, most honest expression of worship they had ever experienced. And they would say, somebody would say, God is good. And the response was, all the time. And the person in the pulpit would say, all, is, uh, God, uh, all the time. And they would say, God is good. In the midst of their suffering, they could see God's hope in store for them at work already in their lives. That's God's grace in between making it possible. In her writings, Kate Bowler, one of the authors of our devotional work in the books that um, supplied that, um, identifies two ways that too often are our only means of responding to suffering. They're not the only two, but they cover, they cover a lot of it. One is fighting our way through it or out of it or burying our heads in the sand in denial. Burying our heads, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. When it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. Or that expression, just grin and bear it. Fighting our way out could be overworking. Um, it could be... Um, Solving our own problems, pushing other people aside in the process. And sometimes, and these are not always bad things. Sometimes they're what we need to do, but they're not the only ways of dealing with suffering. And the problem when we do too much of those is that we interrupt that conversion process between suffering and hope. We get in the way of the work that God is doing. God will do what God will do. But sometimes we can mess things up as we experience them. We stall the action. We delay God's uh, work. But Romans 5 
In that passage we just read, Paul gives us a response that leads into what God is doing rather than working around it. He writes that we can boast in our suffering. Another way of understanding that word in this context is confidence. You, when you're boasting about something, the Greek is kind of fun. It's when you're loud about something, it's because you're confident in it. should be. <laughs> Sometimes we're too loud about things we really have no business being confident. But anyway, we're boasting in it because we have confidence. And Paul is saying that we can have confidence in what God is doing in the midst of our suffering. Because we understand God is experiencing the world as we experience it in the person of Jesus Christ. God the Father what, did not abandon the Son at the cross. If you hear, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a whole psalm that goes with that that Jesus is referencing. And it resolves itself in that he was not abandoned. But it starts with that feeling of abandonment, but realizing God is there. God the Father was by the Son at the cross. Can you imagine how the Father felt? Not to mention the Son in that moment. Jesus endured every experience of that as a human being, fully God, fully human, experienced all the human stuff in the midst of that suffering. And that's even before he got to the cross. We have a God who understands what it is to be human. And to think that Jesus could have picked either of those two options. Jesus could have fought his way out of this or let his disciples do it. A couple of them had swords. They were strapped. They were ready to roll. And he says, put the sword away, Peter. Put the sword away. Even heals the dude that Peter took a swing at. One of the people tells, mocks Jesus saying, you could come down off that cross if you really are who you say that are. And he could have. But he didn't. He's present in that moment of suffering. So we have a God who understands what it is to suffer in ways much more extreme than the most of us will ever know. So he doesn't eliminate the suffering. He converts it. Jesus on the cross chose to stay present and acknowledge the pain of what it means to be human. At the same time, having the confidence of God the Father present with him and his love for him. So what do we do with all of that in our own lives? It is through the life, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we experience Forgiveness, grace, God's grace as forgiveness of the wrongs that we have done, of the harm that we have done to ourselves or to others and or others. And God forgives us. So as we experience hope in that forgiveness of our own brokenness, we can turn that around to those around us. In one of um, Kate. Valor's interview. She interviews Philip Yancey. He's a Christian author. He's been around for decades. Um, kind of looks like the dude that paints. He's got. He's always had big hair. You know the paint. I can't remember the painting guys. There you go, Bob Ross. Kind of looks like Bob Ross. But anyway, and he talks a little bit like him too. He's very peaceful sounding when you hear him talk. 
But as they were interviewing, and they were talking about uh, forgiveness and experiencing of suffering and all these things, but then Philip Yancey talks about how the heroes in the Bible that we look at, these, these great pillars of faith that are named King David, Moses, Peter, Paul. I could bring in Mary in that. That would be, sound very appropriate in the moment. But actually, Mary doesn't fit this model because in this model, and looking at these four folks, King David was an adulterer and a murderer, kind of within the same moment, right? Moses, also a murderer, before he split and went Egypt and went to the desert, and before he came back for the exodus. Peter betrayed Jesus, straight up lied to Jesus' face. I will never betray you, deny you. We, we, <laughs> I think we lie to Jesus all the time and lie to ourselves, but he was looking him in the eyeballs when he said that to him. And then Paul was holding people's coats so they could stone a guy to death. Stephen, who this church is named for. God takes the messiest of us and turns us into these amazing heroes of faith. If God can forgive those people and use those people Imagine what he can do with the rest of us, right? God takes our suffering and converts it into hope. And when we experience suffering at the hand of others, or maybe from ourselves, or or maybe Maybe it's an unnamed thing, and we don't know who to blame. We want to blame somebody really bad, and sometimes we blame God. And God can handle our stuff. But don't leave it there. Resolve it. God wants to resolve it. And this grace stuff is weird, because we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have any equivalent to it in the way we understand it as we live life here and now. John Wesley called... Um, uh, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, called it God's free, undeserved favor. How often do we do anything that has no strings attached at all? At all. Rarely, if ever. We usually have some benefit if we're going to do something for ourselves. We wrap it up in something else, and it may not be the priority, but it's helped us to get us there. But this gift of grace shows up, and it is a gift, and it is free, and it is available to everyone to pick up and to make a part of our lives. And we even experience it before we pick it up. There's a whole sermon on that right there. I'm not going to do it. Here's Sunday school, so, you know, and stuff to eat in there. It's a gift we receive, but also a gift we're meant to give. And it's not like those bread starter mixes, you know, you make your bread first and, and, then, you, and then you hand it off to people. It's almost, is this a gift or, or a responsibility? Or hand, I don't know. But it's better than that. Because that's good bread, by the way. That's good stuff. But anyway. And we just don't have a thing that's just as equal in how we live our lives. <laughs> we'll go to a thing and uh, 
growing up with the girls, and they know this is part of the way it works now. But, you know, um, say we go to a restaurant, and then it's a buffet. You get the buffet, and drinks come with the buffet. And I'll say, it's free. I say, uh-uh. It's included. It's been paid for, right? We don't have to pay a thing for God's grace. Jesus paid it. That's a hymn, right? Jesus paid it all. All of it. It's just ours to accept. And then to put it to work. Yancey, Philip Yancey even calls it a scandal. I love that word for it as a description of it. It doesn't erase the pain or the harm that we've caused or that others have caused towards us. It doesn't make it go away. But it's not meant to either. But that great same grace says about us that we are redeemable regardless. We are redeemable. And if we are redeemable regardless, same is true of everybody else. The rude neighbor, the estranged parent, the unforgiven ex, the toxic boss, the doctor who messed up, the selfish pastor, those happen. We're, well, we all, we're all selfish sometimes, right? It's not like I'm not approving. I'm just saying it's real. Or the family member who did, did the unthinkable or the stranger who came out of nowhere. Every last one, redeemable. Just like you are. Just like I am. Despite what we've done or left undone, God's grace through God's grace, we experience that love and that forgiveness. We're not exempt from suffering. But that doesn't change that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Blessed are those who suffer because none of us have to suffer alone. Amen. Let's pray. good and loving God. We are indeed imperfect people living in an imperfect world with other imperfect people leaning on your perfect son. Through the example of his life, suffering, death, and resurrection, and the power that comes as a result of it, May we be people who experience hope in the midst of suffering as we extend grace and forgiveness to others as we ourselves have been forgiven. And help us to know we don't do any of that alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.